This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards. If you're looking to unload your collection and maybe turn some of that old cardboard into cash, Greg Morris can help. Greg's always buying collections of vintage basketball, baseball, football, or hockey cards. If you have modern or ultra-modern graded cards, he'll buy those as well. On top of all that, Greg takes cards on consignment. Go to gregmorriscards.com to sell them your cards, or you can email joe at gregmorriscards.com directly. What's up, everyone? This is episode 156 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, um, I want to start off today by thanking you guys for the feedback I got regarding last week's episode with Scott Tarter of the Dropping Dimes Foundation. You know, that was a little bit of a pivot from the norm, and I'm happy that you guys were receptive to it, though. Um, And once again, I encourage you to try and support that cause in some way if you can. You know, we didn't get the ABA announcement over the weekend that we'd hoped for, but hopefully it's coming soon. In the meantime, though, I ordered one of the ABA basketballs this weekend, so I'm looking forward to receiving that in the mail here soon. Uh, I'm sure you'll hear about it in the mail day segment. But as for today's episode, I felt like we've been due for this. It's been a little while, so I've got the official Northeastern correspondent here with me. Some of you know him as S. Howley 2003, or Showley. I'm fortunate enough to call him a friend. Steve, um, I think you're off from work this week, so how are things going? Things are going well, Kyle. I got to be honest, when I, I heard you giving that, that intro, uh, you know, get all get your listeners all excited saying we're due for this, and then you introduce me, and I'm I'm sure there's a few eyes being rolled out there, but uh, glad to be on with you, and yeah, as, as I think your listeners know, we both work in public education and started the school vacation week up here in the Boston area, so I am off for the week and, and relaxing. All right, so as you guys saw from the title, there's going to be some informal card banter today. I say informal, but there's still some planning that went into it. And as part of that planning, I sent Steve a list of five topics before we sat down to record. So we're just going to go ahead and jump right in. Um, I was thinking about asking about the current Celtics season and the trade deadline, uh, but my conversation with Jarrett kind of confirmed that for Celtics fans, this season has already been scrubbed from the books. Um, I, I would disagree with that as far as scrubbed from the books. I, for me, and I mean, we're all fans, Kyle, right? Like, right. It's it's about am I being entertained? And, and over the last 20 games or so, the Celtics have played a brand of basketball that is very entertaining. I've enjoyed watching it. So I'm not angry at the team. And the East is wide open. Do I think they'll make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? No, but they have a punter's chance. And, you know, so just the entertainment factor alone has definitely increased for me over, you know, since we last talked and we were both cranky about our teams. Well, yeah, it must be nice to have some optimism. I, although I do too now, um, albeit it's a little bit longer, <laughs> you know, in, more so in the future. But yeah, it must be nice to have some optimism. Um, so let's talk about some All-Stars instead in All-Star Weekend, which included a lot of Celtics, at least legends, Celtic mm-hmm. legends. Um, not on the first two nights, though. So let's let's just get that out of the way. Did you watch anything on Friday or Saturday? I didn't watch anything Friday. Um 
I still enjoy NBA Sat- All-Star Saturday Night. I thought the skills competition was entertaining. I liked that they did the teams and specifically the, the Cleveland team and kind of really gave the hometown arena something to uh, for them as far as their players. And I, I'm a junkie for the three-point contest. Oh, sorry. I don't know if you heard that. One of my fish just tried to jump out of the tank. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm a junkie for the uh, for the three-point contest. I thought it was great. Cat was like set shots for the entire thing, was drilling them. I, I was really entertained by that. And I, it's cliche to bash on the slam dunk contest, but this is the first year I, I couldn't even make it through it. It was bad. Once Cole Anthony was sitting there spending five minutes lacing up his Tims, I, uh, I kind of imagine everyone in the arena sort of tapped out and you could feel the energy drain, but I, I enjoyed it overall. It was, it was entertaining. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say the NBA tried, they're trying new things. They know some things are working, some things aren't. Um, yep. So they are mixing it up a little bit. Obviously, they do have some some work to do when it comes to the slam dunk competition. But when your when your stars won't participate, it you're fairly limited. Um, mm-hmm. My whole approach, I guess, to All Star Weekend, it's going to be pretty bad. I think we know that by now. I try and watch any events that the Pacers are featured in. I try. I'm like you. I try to watch some of the three point. Depending on who's in the dunk contest, I'll watch some of that, um, which I didn't this year. I didn't watch any dunk contest, but you know, thankfully, social media and, and YouTube has relieved us of some of those responsibilities. So I don't really feel bad when I miss it. But um, I did want to make sure, though, that I watched on Sunday, which I don't always watch the entire game all the way through. But you know, I told myself, all right, this is the big 75th event. You know, there's the game that goes with it. So I'm I'm definitely going to watch that. There were a couple of things that hit me early on that I wasn't expecting, I guess. And one of which was, I don't know if you saw it, but Shaq gave a, a big tribute. It was like a four or five minute tribute to all the main people that have helped him. And this was in the pregame. He's talking about family members, some of the other players. Um, and that was just a great way to start things off. Uh, did you happen to catch that? I did not catch that, no. Being a holiday weekend, Sunday night was uh, also family movie night for the kids and I. So I was I tuned in to the All Star game, but not until the second quarter. I got you. Uh, you're you're a good man. I can't I can't fault you for that at all. You're a good man. Um the cats and I, however, were on the couch and we were watching All Star Weekend here. The other thing that uh I guess you wouldn't have seen this either then that that kind of got to me and I, I didn't think it would was um the reception that LeBron got from the Cleveland crowd in the in the pregame intros. Um, they panned up to the 2016 banner, and mm-hmm. um, I think he seemed a little surprised by it as well. So that was all really good. That was a cool moment. I, I saw that. I, I did see that. I, I went back and saw some of the stuff on YouTube, like you said, changing responsibility. That that was something I had pegged him in the back of my mind to check in on, and it was it was very classy um, and, and just organic. It was a really cool moment. Yeah. So um, let's transition to the actual game then. You know, and we don't have to cover a whole lot of stuff here as far as the game goes. But were there a couple things that you enjoyed at least? Um, you know, no, uh, not until yet. Not until yet. I, I like the format. I like the different quarters. I like that they make it very, very well known. Um, that the players are playing for charity. They let them play. The first two quarters seem to be set different than the second half. Um, and in the way they have the all right, you're going to get to this number, and that's when the right. game's over. Intensity picks up. I think up they in the call it the quarter. Elam ending. I think that's yes. the term for it. And then Steph Curry going off, and and that you know the other players giving him the space to do that, knowing that it was entertaining. I think the players know how to make the most out of the All Star game, even if it is like the first 
two quarters are borderline unwatchable. We can no one's even running back on defense, but it was entertaining. And I, I know we're going to get to the fact that I was at a show on Monday in a little bit. I'll tell you that people were talking about Steph the next day at the show. You know, just the fact that he was doing things on the basketball court that a human shouldn't do, right? And he was just right. drilling all those shots. So there was a little bit of buzz afterwards about it, and that stuff was cool. So, yeah, I wrote down, I like that. I like the Elam ending. Um, and then I love the LeBron game winner. Um, you know, and I know people have different feelings about LeBron. I don't like everything that he does, but I don't know. I just thought that was fitting. And, and I, I'm getting to the point where... I don't know how much LeBron we're going to see after this. So um, I, I just kind of want to soak everything in for right now. All right. No matter what channel you watched it on, they both had the halftime ceremony in its entirety. So let's just jump right into that. Tell me about your thoughts on all the proceedings. Were you satisfied with everything that went down? Um, I watched it in chunks, so I didn't have the, you know, I, I wish I had had the time and that evening to kind of soak it in like you probably did. But I, I went back on YouTube. I had to watch it in chunks, um, you know, due to family obligations. But overall, I think one of the things the NBA does well as a whole league is really recognize their history. And what I loved was actually the opening sort of three or four minutes where I think coming into this season, there was a lot of negativity towards the top 76 and you know even guys like jd jj reddick on his podcast um draymond green's been you know uh, I, i'm better than dolph shays who's dolph shays <laughs> but and i thought the nba did a really nice job of setting the table of like there's too many plays there's too many games but it's about how great our league has become and it's because of all the foundational work and you know, the first shot of their first video montage was, you know, Russell and Wilt and those guys. And then moving forward, I just thought they did a really nice job of not highlighting greatness, but highlighting like the league and how good the sport is. And um, I thought it was very tactfully done. Um, I really enjoyed just sort of the approach they took. Yeah, I liked it. And I, I thought they did a pretty good job of combining the old and the new, kind of like you said, um, and then, you know, in 96, we had the leather jackets and now we had the the Blazers and, um, you know, the newer players kind of put their own spin on the style of it, but everyone was still mm -hmm. wearing the Blazers. And I thought that was kind of, you know, inadvertently representative of um, the, the movement of the league as well. They're all still wearing that Blazer. They're all still part of the game, uh, but everyone's kind of put their own unique spin on it. So very, very good overall. You know, there was a lot going through my head. Uh, it was emotional in the sense that I've rooted for some of these guys for so long and, and they're getting their recognition. Uh, it was emotional in the sense that some of them are no longer with us. And, you know, these are guys mm -hmm. we've collected as well. Um, and then Michael Jordan showed up at the end and yeah. received the uh, the goat ovation. And, um, you know, we, we pretty much thought he wasn't going to be there when we saw that he was at the Daytona 500. He wasn't in the Legends picture. Um, so then for him to show up, it was just, um, it was fitting. It was good. Growing up, one of the things that was really cool about the Celtics is that the legends were always part of the team, right? Like even, you know, Red Auerbeck was always around, Kuzi was always around, Honda was always around. And as the years have gone on in, in player empowerment and in players are on different teams from, you know, many different teams over their careers, I feel like we've we've lost that connection in the past a little bit. You you, mm -hmm. you never see, you know, Bird, McHale, Parrish, et cetera, are never around I feel like there's a gap there between that connection. I, I think as I was watching the ceremonies, it, it made me realize, you know, that, that it's still important to do that. And I think, as a, again, the league as a whole does that. And I hope the team sort of takes some of that momentum and, and you know, do a better job representing their history um, right. across the league. Um, 
and you just gave such a a touching presentation here and then my and then your timer going my off. ebay timer went off so <laughs> Um, all right, so let me switch over for those of you that are listening. Um, I, I always have an auction that I've been like I've been watching this all week long, and I told Steve, I'm like, look, this auction ends at nine o'clock. I got a bid on it, so I got 50 seconds here. So we're gonna kind of do this uh, live auction style. I don't even know what my max bid is going to be. Um, I could mess this up. But it's a uh, TJ Warren patch that I've been really wanting. You guys know I, I got the TJ Warren tag not long ago. So, uh, Steve, we've got about 40 seconds here. Any predictions um, without knowing a whole lot of the context? No, I have no idea what you're bidding. Um, but I, I think you're going to put in a bid that is – and you're going to win and you're going to regret paying that amount. And then you're going to, in your head, justify it between now and when the mail day shows up that it was still a good purchase. <laughs> and you'll be happy with your purchase. <laughs> You know, um, you know me all too well, and you, without knowing it, you know the number that I just typed in. <laughs> all right, so let's seven seconds. I got to hit place bid. I got to confirm it. Um, I am the high bidder. Now this is the moment I hate where I've won, and it tells me an amount, but I got to refresh because the I want it for seventy one dollars. Okay, feel Ooh. great about that. I, yeah, yeah, I know that's still you know a couple years Sounds ago good. wouldn't have felt great about that. Feel great about that. It says, we're determining the winner. Please refresh the yes. page. Okay, all right. It still says $71, so uh, I can live with that. Um, and then I'll, um, there are some, I already mentioned it to Steve, there are some specific things I really like about this jersey, why I'm buying it and why I'm spending that. Um, I will get into that on a future mail day, though. No need to talk about that here, because for all I know, the uh, postal truck is going to run over it. So, um, all right. So anyway... You were talking about um, the kind of the the job that the league has done with the All Star Weekend. Um, now I mentioned, or I saw someone on Blowout actually mention that they were upset that Panini was quiet throughout this whole thing. And you know, in Panini's defense, at least right now, I said, you know, we have no clue what's going on. We have no clue what kind of access they had. Uh, the landscape has obviously changed. In '96, they were um, competing for the exclusive license for the 50th. I mentioned that in one of my previous episodes. Now there's only one license anyway. Um, I didn't see any Panini presence there, though, so I don't feel great about it. Have you thought about that any? It's I From a business perspective, I don't understand why they wouldn't have had a presence and made use of this natural time with free marketing and free publicity to crank out some product that represents a moment, take some good photos, and have some, at a minimum, some Panini Instant cards that probably would have sold really well. I mean, a couple of years ago, they used to do great when they were selling, they'd market them live during the draft. You remember they would do that? Right. They would, mm-hmm. as the picks, picks are made, they would just post them up there. They easily could have done something just through Twitter and had some, even just, like I said, Panini Instant at a minimum. Um, it, that would have given collectors something to collect, showing that they cared to represent the time. Um, and now going even further to your legends jackets and taking those blazers and stuff would have been next level. But I, I can't believe they didn't even <laughs> want to be there and just do the panini instant stuff. It, it seems strange. And they let's say if they use the group photo for a card, like they don't even have to airbrush Michael Jordan out. He didn't even show up for the photo. Right. Um, yep. So they wouldn't even have that controversy. Now, I know they don't have the license to every player there, but 
you know, MJ would be the big hang up and that's not even, that's not even in front of us. But anyway, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Um, let's talk about some of the cards that they are producing. And this is a set that we've both liked in the past. It's one that um, has started to come out this week. So we've been, you and I have been talking privately about it. So let's just talk about it some on here as well. And that's Donruss Elite. Um, so real quick, let's talk about the past first. What are some things that you've liked about this product in the past? What I've liked about it in the past is it's always been unique. It's it's always been a product that didn't look like anything else. Um, they've used the Elite uh, Elite series at different times for different styles of products. So there hasn't been a lot of consistency across the product, and it even it's gone away for a few years at a time. But but it's got some heritage to it. I, I believe it's one of the brands that precedes Panini. It might have been mm-hmm. you know Donruss Elite might have been a brand. Uh, pre-Panini, so it's got that heritage to it. And it's just always been unique. Um, They've had die cuts in it. Uh, It's always had a very good checklist um, of current stars and rookies. So it's just been a nice product. It's always on a a quality card stock, so it has a little bit of a premium feel to it. Last year, they did a really cool design where the player was in the foreground, but it was an action shot from in-game that was in the background. But then the player was kind of jumping out of that scene the way they did the borders. It was just a really, it didn't look like anything else. It's just, it's been a, a neat set to chase, a couple parallels that always look good. So just a fun product to have that's different than the other stuff. Yeah, and I've been a big fan of it as well. And, um, you know, I've talked about the status parallels that I've been chasing and the Cassius Stanley ones that I was chasing. So before we ooh and ah over this too much, though, I, I think we would both agree that if you're ripping this product, you're going to get killed. So we're okay. not we're not advising you to actually buy hobby boxes of this, although if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Um, but you and I are more, well, yeah, actually do go buy hobby boxes because Steve and I are looking <laughs> to swoop in and uh, pick up cards from people that are licking their wounds. So let's start with the base set, though. There are some people out there that really like it. It looks, it doesn't look, you know, have that in-game action shot like you described from last year. Um, I've seen a few people even compare it to one of the old metal sets, but I know you had a different take on things going off of a social media post Tell me what you're thinking. And you have it in hand now, too, I believe. Yeah, I've got a base and a couple of parallels in hand. I definitely see where people are coming from the from one of those uh, Skybox metal sets to me. And I, I think I shared this in a group chat where it looks like it looks like mosaic. Uh, so mm-hmm. for people that haven't seen it, it's a cropped out player and there's nothing behind the player except a mirror background. And then there's a banner down the down below with the player name, the elite signia. Um, and the team name. And if you put it side by side with Mosaic Silver, they're almost identical designs, except the Elite doesn't have the hexagon shapes in the background. Once I got one in hand, Kyle, I don't like them as much as I was hoping. They they are on a, a quality card stock, so they, they're a solid like 70-point card. Like they're, they got some weight to them, but they're just kind of boring, to be honest, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And, and some people might like them, but the mirror background has been, I mean, the totally certified and or certified Parallels are called Mirror. They have that design to them. They used it in 2012 Marquee um, on their veteran base set. So it's not like it's anything new. Uh, so I definitely don't see why people are calling it innovative. And it's another cropped out image on a shiny background. It's It doesn't do much for me. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty frustrated by it. And of okay. course, Crowder's in it. So, so then I have this really irrational desire to go chase it and there's a bunch of one-on-ones again you you have to it's just like you know we were i I mentioned with lebron we don't know how much lebron we have left i i thought two years ago we were done with crowder in products so 
I mean, now now you have to be just cherishing these last few moments here. <laughs> so not only do you have a base card to chase, uh, which I'm assuming you already have of him, but you've got lots of parallels. It seems like, and I don't know how many, but I, I looked at the checklist. My um, very unscientific measure is lots. Um, yeah. We have the status and aspirations parallels are back, which I'm happy about. Of course, the I've talked about them before. The status are numbered to a player's jersey number. The aspirations is the difference out of 100. So, for example, Malcolm Brogdon, he's number seven. His status is out of seven. The aspirations is out of 93. Unfortunately, though, the status switched from blue to green. And, you know, we've seen status and aspirations in years past. And even in the older elite sets, we had blue and red. Mm -hmm. Um, And then all of a sudden now it switched to green, which is great, of course, for your Celtics, Um, maybe for Milwaukee, but not a lot of other teams, maybe Utah, just depends on um, kind of what uniform they're shown in. But you don't have any of those in hand yet, do you? No, no. And and those are popping up. They haven't popped up much yet. So I've watched a bunch of breaks. Most There is a first off the line version of this. So, so far, there's first off the line and hobby. Mm-hmm. First off the line has two parallels that are specific to it, an out of 17 and out of three. And yeah. I think those took the place of a lot of the what would be the hits in the hobby boxes. So there wasn't a lot popping up of the status or aspiration stuff. And of course, the main one I'm going to be chasing is Crowder, and he's jersey number 99. So his status is going to be a 101. So that'll probably be one I don't see. But I am every year since they've had these parallels, whether it was in a standalone product um, going back to 2009, 10, or in some like status or elite. I've collected a combo of stats and aspirations, uh, whether it be Pierce or I've got Horford from one year. So maybe I'll do Horford again because that'll be 42. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'll pick a player that has a slightly higher jersey number and I'll get one in eventually. But it's it's a deep green. Like it's a really, really deep green. So it's it's going to clash with a lot of different jerseys. Yeah, um, I am still, just because of kind of a lineage thing, I am still going to chase... Um, now it's it's got to be the jersey number specifically for me. So like Brogdon... I don't want the two out of seven. I want seven out of seven. Sabonis, 11 out of 11. Levert, 22 out of 22. I know I'm not going to find all of them. It's just however many I can find that are are affordable. So also, though, we have on-card rookie autos, which Mm -hmm. I'm excited about. I I was actually kind of impressed by that. I think it's called Pin Pals. There might be another set, but the one I saw is Pin Pals. And they looked like um, almost like revolution in terms of the odds where it's like, I don't maybe one or two per case. I mean, they're not easy to get from what I've seen. And I I could be way off on that. I don't think we've seen official odds. But anyway, there's like you said, there's some lineage to previous sets. I feel like Panini made a little bit of an effort for this one, at least relative some, to some of their other releases. So, uh, and, you know, the bar's kind of low now, but um, so I'm I'm happy with what I've seen so far. And um, I'm not going to ask you for your standard letter grade on this, but I'm going to ask you instead um, seeing as Jay Crowder is in the product, are you happy that he's in the product? Um, yeah, I, I am. It'll give me something different other than just Prism and Hoops to chase this year. And as much as I'm frustrated with the base set design, it is, it's been fun watching the breaks. They did, I don't, I don't know if they'll ever have any value, but the, all the inserts, or most of the inserts, are acetate cards, which is a really nice contrast when you're, you're going through the packs. Is you've got these really deep, rich, shiny cards. And then you hit these really crystal clear acetate cards that have some really cool designs to them. Crowded doesn't have any of the inserts, but Pierce has a couple and a few other players. And like you said, the on-card rookie autos look great. Um, not every rookie auto is on-card. It's just the pen pals. The other ones are stickers. But it's definitely a, a, an interesting product. And that's what I like. I like when Crowder's in interesting products because... 
again, part of their collection is I can go back over the years and be reminded of some of these times. And uh, so to have him in something like this that's different, um, will mix up my binder is is definitely a, a pro to the the PC. And I I don't know if I mentioned it, but there's also lenticular cards, which I thought that was kind of cool. We don't always see a lot of that. Um, they seem to be really rare, though, and, and definitely not anything that I'm going to be chasing just because of the player subjects, but um, cool nonetheless, and I, I appreciate the fact that those are in there. Okay, um, so yeah, if you see rare Crowders or if you see my Pacers that are like, you know, Sabonis 11 of 11 and so on, reach out to us and let us know. All right, um, so that's what we're looking for right now, but maybe we can use this time here. Uh, to help a couple of other collectors find the cards they're looking for. So it is time for this week's installment of Collector Classifieds. And since I have you with me here, Steve, I thought it would be fun to double up and play two of them. And on top of that, they're both team collectors, which I thought was fitting. So um, I've sent these to you ahead of time. We're going to pretend that you're listening to it with us live. I'll edit that in later. Um, Here is the first one here. It comes from Steven, and he is NJ Nets Collector. I am Steven, a.k.a. NJ Nets Collector on Instagram. I'm looking for all rare and oddball New Jersey Nets-related items, programs, ticket stubs, stadium giveaways, any rare cards, in particular Richard Jefferson and Devin Harris. Just shoot me a message. All right, so one thing I will say um, I appreciate, uh, well, several things about Steven, but he posted uh, an autographed card of the Nets mascot last week. I think it was Sly. Um, And it was like, I don't know, some sort of team stadium giveaway where you could tell the card was meant to be autographed because the the auto area was kind of whited out and then he could sign it. Um, I love seeing stuff like that. You know, you don't see a lot of it. I I appreciate team collectors. Um, And it seems like, you know, no Brooklyn stuff with him, just the New Jersey Nets. So um, really appreciate looking at his profile. Part of what I like about you doing this, Kyle, is it gives me insight into how other people are collecting, right? So it's not even a, just a benefit to, to Steven, but like we get something out of it. And to hear like, a, you know, brochures and pamphlets, he's, I mean, just really digging into the team history and the memorabilia along with the cards, I think is a really cool aspect. So I'm looking forward to checking out his page. And honestly, I ask you this question sometimes, what do you do with all this stuff? I would <laughs> love to know what he does with that stuff. So I might have to reach out to him and just chat with him a little bit, but very cool concept. And I never have a good answer for you. I just send you pictures of just copious amounts of junk laying around. Um, and, and that pretty much, you know, that picture is worth a thousand words. Um, all right. So the next one uh, is somebody that's in a, a group chat with us for the Pack to the Future podcast. Um, so this is Justin. Howdy. My name is Justin. You can find me on Instagram at late90sbball or email at late90sbball at yahoo.com. I collect 90s insert sets, but my main PC is rare, hard to find, or numbered cards of all Orlando Magic players from the late 90s to the mid-2000s, such as Daryl Armstrong, Nick Anderson, Tracy McGrady, or Horace Grant, to name a few. I'm also looking for 1997 through 98, oops, high voltage, 500 parallels. Thanks. All right, so another Eastern Conference team. So we had two Eastern Conference teams, and then we're both, of course, Eastern Conference teams. Um, Orlando Magic. Okay, what do you think about late '90s B-ball? Did you see any of his profile? Yeah, like you said, I'm I'm fairly familiar with Justin's page, and I just think he he's so he's got he's very focused on what he likes, and I I love the focus too. I mean, '90s basketball cards and the Orlando Magic go hand in hand, right? Even if the mm-hmm. prime time of that was more early to mid '90s, I mean, they just they're so synonymous with each other, and, and Justin's got a really 
really fun collection. And you can tell by looking at his page that he really appreciates the cards and his fandom of the team. So he does a really nice job of sharing his collection. All right, so make sure if you've got anything that those guys might be looking for, either net stuff or magic stuff, uh, make sure to reach out to them. I'll be posting their social media profiles uh, on my profile as well, and I'll be trying to share some of their posts throughout the week. Okay, before we move into our last couple subjects for the day, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com, click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hey everybody, Boston Steve here, the Northeast Correspondent, checking in from the city of a winning basketball team, and you are listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Are, are you guys are winning games right now? They are. You, you, but your team's doing what you want them to. They're losing, right? So we're both winning. You're going for the, <laughs> right. we want a higher seed, you want a lower seed. So we're both getting what we want, Kyle. So, uh, yeah, just a quick comment on that. I have never truly cheered for a tank because we've always been... Um, good enough that you know the draft pick's not going to be any good so it's like well we might as well get into the playoffs now we're getting a true tank and I can't tell you how much of a relief it was once I switched into that mode Uh, this was the worst season of Pacers basketball since 2016 and uh, I am enjoying this so much they scored 47 in the first quarter the other night Buddy Heald was draining threes and then they lost it was fantastic I feel like I'm seeing the future in front of me with Tyrese Halliburton. So um, good job, Pacers. Keep losing games. Um, unfortunately, though, we Tristan was our tank commander, and we already got rid of Tristan Thompson. So um, we'll have to find a new tank commander for the time being. All right. So usually I do mail before the intermission, but with two people, it's a little different. So um, I've been watching your profile. I know you've had some cool things come in this week. I've already seen some of them on social media. Um, we each have two things a piece that we're going to talk about here. Um, why don't you go ahead and go first and then we'll alternate. What is one interesting thing that you picked up this week? All right. So one is a purchase I made last Wednesday that just came in recently. Um, it's a, And I know your your listeners are probably familiar with because you've talked about the unlicensed brand President's Choice, their Solitaire 2.0 that I believe you shared for some reason you opened several boxes of it. Um, <laughs> it was a mistake. <laughs> Paul Pierce has jumbo memorabilia cards in that set. Um, they're from a pair of warm-up pants worn in the 01, 02 range. And I had won a couple um, cheap auctions. And then the logo man from those pants showed up uh, last week. I had seen it right about when it posted. And at the same time as I was placing the offer, you were already messaging me. Uh, harassing me to buy the card. So I did end up picking that up. Uh, super excited about it. I've got, uh, I don't know, eventually I'm just going to rebuild these warm-up pants, I think. But it's an unlicensed piece. It's basically a border with a large swatch, um, bright green fabric, and the logo man right in the middle. And it's, you know, Paul Pierce and the company name. It's just a, you, you buy it for the swatch, right? And so I'm really excited right. to add that one. It, it looks good, though. And um, some of those sketches are brutal, but that one actually looks pretty good. So yeah. You know, all things considered, um, you know, I I felt like that was a pretty good pickup. I mean, obviously could have been a better design, but um, it's like you said, it's for the swatch and uh, looks good. So my mail day was not 
uh, not president's choice. It was an actual licensed card, which some, you know, I can't always say that. I will have a president's choice mail day soon, by the way. But um, I picked up a card from 2004-2005 Upper Deck, and I got to give some background that goes with this. Back then, they had an unnumbered parallel to the base set called Immaculate, and it looks pretty much identical to the base set, but it has the word Immaculate in foil on the front. I talked about this when I talked about my top card show digs uh, because I found a Jamal Crawford in a dollar box. So there's been a lot of speculation about print runs over the years, and there was a, a collector on Blowout that was just tearing through cases of this stuff, and he was convinced they were pretty rare too. I've got a friend named Ty that's got a pretty extensive 2000s collection. He said he's never seen any more than three copies for a single player. Um, now, when I reached out to a Crawford collector with mine, he said he already had three. So we know there's at least four, but I'm thinking there's somewhere between five and ten. But it's unnumbered, you know, we'll never know. And um, to make a long story even longer here, I didn't have the Ron Artest. And one of those popped up on ComC for like $35, so I hit the buy it now. On that, I wasn't even going to haggle. I've learned my lesson in the past. Just buy it. It wasn't too unreasonable. Just buy it. So I was feeling pretty good about myself. And a few days later, the same seller posted another art test. And so, you know, I sent my picture to Steve and, oh, woe is me. And, you know, of course I bought it, right? Because what, what else would you do? Um, so I'm feeling pretty good about it. There's not many out there. I just grabbed two of them. And a few days later, the guy lists a third one. So, um, you know, you can guess what happened. I, I, well, although I am trying to flip that one. So I bought one, I bought that one. I'm trying to flip it and maybe recoup some of the cost. Uh, but anyway, I own three of them now and that's not what I got in the mail. So long story longer here. Um, I actually, after all that, I went on eBay and, um, I found an Al Harrington for like $8 shipped. It was higher than that, but I made an offer $8 ship. Technically it's a Hawks card, but he's pictured as a pacer um, it was something, you know, rare that I had been looking at. Um, it was a nice little cheap dopamine rush for the mailbox. So, um, anyway, what was another piece that you got in this week? So another one I grabbed was, uh, while I was watching the Super Bowl, I was watching auctions too. And I picked up a Aaron Neesmith flawless RPA. And I've been, I've been really into the flawless stuff recently, specifically rookie year stuff. The, most of it I can't afford, right? Like Tatum was the only... Real, you know, rookie that had flawless RPAs. Jalen Brown never did. Mm -hmm. I could never afford a Tatum one. So this is my first ever game-used um, rookie patch auto. So really excited about it. And, you know, f that's something that Panini doesn't get enough credit for is the, the rookie year um, game-used stuff. And we'll see if that continues in the future with other manufacturers. But really excited to have that piece added to it. So that came in, I don't know, a day or two ago. All right. So before my final piece of mail here that I got today, I got to ask you, did you take part in the big Probstein gold refractor rush? I did not. There was nothing nothing there that I needed. Okay, so, uh, and I know people are going to say, why are you still buying from Probstein? You've complained about him in the past. Look, he gets cards that I need. Mm -hmm. So it, that, it is what it is. I got a bid on him. So he had um, just, uh, it was a set break of 2005, 2006 Topps Chrome Gold. And there were some other sets as well, but that seemed to be the majority of them. And um, there are 10 Pacers in that set, and I'm down to two. Believe it or not, one of them was Jeff Foster. Um, I haven't seen a Jeff Foster, even though there's 99 of them, I haven't seen one on eBay in over like five or six years. And then the other one was Sarunas Yesikavages, which I didn't buy years ago because I didn't want to spend $15. 
Um, so anyway, I won both of those for like $20 shipped. So I was very thrilled with that because my bids were considerably higher. Got them in the mail today. There were no top loaders, but there were um, card savers. So I, I was about to say, hey, you know, no top loaders, but I got them in card savers. So anyway, that was uh, my experience with Probe Scene this time. So it wasn't as bad as it's been in the past. All right. Last but not least, both of us spent time at a card show this past weekend. Um, I've already recapped my journey some on my YouTube where I went to the Tampa card show. I roamed around. I dug in boxes. I got a couple of cheap PC cards, all of that for about $40. And then, of course, gas and tolls, which a lot of people forget about. But you, on the other hand, uh, set up at your first show ever. Somewhere in the Boston area, you'll have to tell me more about it, but you previewed your showcase on social media, and I thought it looked awesome. Talk me through your card show selling experience. Yeah, so I uh, I popped the the dealer cherry. Um, not something I'll do on a very regular basis, but had a lot of fun. So it is a, uh, I'll give a shout out to the promoter just because he's a great great promoter in the area. Um, Cardboard Promotions is the the promoter, and he's been, he's been around for decades. Pre-pandemic, he had a show basically south of Boston, then one north of Boston. He's relocated a little bit. So this one is, uh, for those not familiar with the messages here, I'll call it the general, the greater Boston area. It's it's right within the, the range of Boston. Um, and then he has another one, uh, you know, north in northern Massachusetts. So very well attended show. Uh, it's about 85 tables. Like I said, it's, it's a promoter that promotes well and has been doing this for a while. So it's a well-known and well-established show. So I thought it was a, a pretty safe one to, to make it as my... My first go. It's also one that I've I've frequented as a buyer, so I kind of knew the layout. I knew a lot of the dealers there. So I set up. My friend Dan is has become a regular setting up there, and he couldn't make it. So I took his table for the month so he could keep his spot. And um, myself and my buddy Jason set up at a six foot table. We both had a showcase. We both had uh, another box of top loaded cards that were individually priced, and then we both had dollar boxes. So you know, overall two showcases. Two boxes to flip through, $2 boxes. Got there bright and early, but as early as I could. Set up as quick as I could. Let the a couple other deals came around and bought some of my nicest stuff, which on one hand frustrated me because they definitely bought my eye candy. Uh, but on the other hand, definitely made financially it the, you know a, a successful show before the, the crowds even showed up. And as you hinted at earlier, Kyle, it was the first day of school vacation, also a holiday. It was on President's Day this week. So I didn't know what the attendance was going to be like. It's a, it's a big travel uh, weekend here in, in Massachusetts for going skiing, going down to Florida, et cetera. But it was it was packed and it was it was packed start to finish really we were we had it i'll be interested to hear your take on on where you set up sometimes but we had a perimeter table mm-hmm. so we definitely didn't get it was more comfortable not having people behind us but we definitely didn't get the same foot traffic that that the inner aisles did but people were coming by all day chatting a couple instagram i wore a j crowd a t-shirt so you know believe it or not i was the only one there with a j crowd a player t so People picked up on who I was pretty quick. Definitely some guys came by and said hi. So those conversations were great. Great to meet some people and uh, move, move some cards. So it was it was a good time. So, yeah, you mentioned the dealers bought some stuff early. And, and that's um, pretty typical from what I've seen. A lot of the action at some shows. And sometimes some of the shows I've been to, the only action is going to be dealer to dealer. So mm-hmm. um, like you said, it's frustrating when they cherry pick all your good stuff but at the same time that's that's what you're there for you're there to move stuff so um you moved it so that was good 
as far as the perimeter versus the inside, I like the perimeter, especially if there's an outlet, I can charge my phone. I don't have to watch my back, you know, so it, 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 there are positives and negatives to it, but yeah, you don't get the same amount of traffic, but I've also been on the inside spot where it was so crowded that, um, nobody could get through. Mm. So, um, I don't know. I was kind of in a corner of that show that I didn't enjoy that at all, but yeah, overall sounds like you had a good time. Um, were, what kind of stuff were people buying? Yeah. So I've hinted at it here and, you know, ask a follow-up question if you want to go deeper into it, but the Boston area is not great for basketball. Um, and people are always caught off guard because the Celtics are such a cornerstone of the league, but it's just when the hobby was booming in the nineties, the Celtics sucked. We're hockey, we're football, we're Red Sox. So they, they were coming by the autos, uh, they were into not as interested in the relics, um, Definitely the dealers that set up at bigger shows, and I, I know some of it was picking inventory for the larger shows that are coming up, um, were really into relics. They were into, people were into cheaper relics. Um, I had a bunch of Reggie Lewis stuff in there that really caught people's eyes. Um, D. Brown stuff, you know, it was $5, $10 patches, but people were into that stuff. Yeah, the, they were into a little bit of everything, but they, a lot, m- many, many people came by and were like, oh, all Celtics, because they were looking for you know, Anthony Edwards or, you know, Ja, stuff like that. Um, but also where a lot of people just walk by because they don't do basketball. And that that was expected. They're, right. they're looking for football and baseball when they're at the Boston shows. So do you feel like um, now that you've been on the other side of the table, do you feel like you gained any perspective being a seller? Yeah. A couple of things that really popped out, and one of them is going to make me sound like a, a real dink. It amazes, you know, because, and I don't know if you ever feel this way, I feel like I'm pretty educated, at least on the basketball side, of just what people like to collect, what sets are coming out. And when you see people in masses come by and they stop and they are looking around and talking with you, not everybody is is involved in the hobby the same way, right? So they don't they don't have the same insight. So you might think that you have a card that is really, really cool. And if you were to post on social media, you're going to get 20 comments because you have like-minded friends across the country on social media that like that obscure insert from 2012, but like the masses walking by have no idea what it is. So then that really talks about relative value and, and how are you going to, if you want to sell that, what's the best way. The other thing that I found really interesting was the lack of people that will flip through the boxes. Mm-hmm. My dollar box got a ton of, I, I, and I thought that was a sign of a good dollar box because it kept people interested. They were, they flipped through the whole thing. But the box with, I had a box with like, everything was pre-priced, 5 to 40-ish dollar cards, um, you know, rookies, autos, relics, stuff like that. Vast majority of people, did, even if they stopped to shop, weren't looking in that unless I said, you know, there's something in there. And, and a good example is a buddy that I set up with, he had some, you know, Anthony Edwards select rookies in his showcase um, with like a $10 price tag on them. I had the same cards in my box with a $5 price tag on them. The kids weren't, and especially like 16, 18 year olds, they weren't even flipping through the boxes. They were going straight to the showcase and taking out a $10 bill. And obviously I'm not going to stop that sale and interrupt them because, you know, I'm with my friend. But um, <laughs> right. the lack of people that that flipped through that was interesting. Um, whereas the definitely the older generation, the you know, middle age and up, they, they went straight to the boxes and maybe didn't even look at the showcase as much. Um, so... Just a, a different way of, of seeing kind of people's habits. And I am going to set up again, I think. So just thinking differently about 
how to, you know, do my showcase differently. I definitely, I could tell by, not that I was scanning people's eyes, but they definitely, if they are looking at the showcase, they're going to the middle of the showcase. They're not looking at the perimeter as much. So kind of moving things around a little differently. And uh, one thing I did do that was very helpful was I said hi to everybody that even paused at the table. And because so many people just walking by, not even making eye contact, just glaring down at the floor. And I think, you know, engaging them and, and trying to chat with them, ask how the show is going, definitely got people to stop more and at least ask us what we had. So I think, you know, it, sometimes I feel like I can't win if I have stuff, um, you know, all spread out, they want to dig. Or if I have stuff for them to dig, then they want to see it all spread out. Or something lately, I've had stuff just stacked out. So I'll take it out of the box where it's Mm. sitting all nice and neat and you can flip through it. And I'll stick a stack on the table and people like picking that up and going through it. So I don't know. I can't figure it out. Anyway, I try all different things and and hope that something sticks at some point. But um, Steve, I've enjoyed chatting with you as always. Um, we could go on for hours here. I figure this is a good point to kind of wrap things up. So you've been on the show many times before, you know, the drill before I let you go, I want to give you the chance to offer any final thoughts or promote anything that you're working on right now. Same old stuff, Kyle, you know, I just, I enjoy connecting with the hobby. So definitely feel free to reach out to me as Howley 2003 on Instagram. If you just want to chat, ask questions, share an image and as kyle said earlier always looking for those crowder cards so even though kyle said don't open elite because you'll you'll lose your wallet um i'm gonna say take that risk and open it and if you find some crowder or some celtic stuff in there definitely let me know and uh that's about all i got nothing specific i'm working on to plug yeah somebody's got to hit those big cards right that's what all the breakers say um all right so hopefully you guys enjoyed today's conversation as well maybe there was something either one of us said that resonated with you You can find Steve's handle in the title. He just mentioned it. Also, feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast. I'm also on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Thank you.